Hi, in today's podcast, I speak with Mordechai Wiener. Mordechai is the host of the Feeling Full podcast, where he has life-changing conversations about weight loss and love of self with many experts in the field. Mordechai himself is quite the expert, and this podcast is not just for people who need to lose weight, but in general, people who need to re-examine their own consumption and self-love. And with Passover, Pesach approaching, so much of Passover is about leaving your limitations behind and re-engineering our relationship to external reality, loving ourselves. So what a great conversation to do with food, with Passover having so many changes around food. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I loved every moment of it. Check out Mordechai's pod. The link is below. Otherwise, enjoy and be in touch. This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, welcome to the Rabbi Peretz podcast. I'm super pumped to be here with my good friend, Mordechai Wiener. Mordechai, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, It's quite the year and uh, I wanted to have you on before Passover because with Pesach coming up, there's something deeply spiritual about Pesach that it totally changes the way we eat food, the way we consume and, and nourish ourselves. We go from leavened bread to matzah. We go from being able to eat anything to very limited items on the Passover Seder. And the more traditional you are, the less you eat. But the idea is ultimately to take away leaven or things that rise and, uh, and, and essentially inflate. So that means there's a certain spiritual idea of having a deflated connection to food. And I know that somebody who's dieted a lot like myself, I love listening to people who have climbed that mountain and really deflated their relationship to food so they can inflate it again, but this time with nourishing and, and, uh, and uh, nutritious and healthy uh, lifestyle living and consumption. And there's no one better to talk to about this than you, because this is who you are. This is what you've built. And I'd love to talk to you about that today. Yeah, well, um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Um, it's something I really enjoy talking about. And it's really incredible to connect the um, background of um, um, Pesach and Passover to, to food because of how much intentionality is actually around like the, the Seder and like what we eat and how we eat it and, and the sizes and all of that, this, the amount of detail. And I'm sure you're going to touch on all of that. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to, to drop in on this. I want to drop on you also that I'm pretty sure the first time we officially met was at a Passover Seder, at a Seder in San Francisco. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Okay, that was, <laughs> and what, like four years ago, five years ago? I think like five years ago. That was the first time we met. A friend uh, invited you, and uh, I, I feel like we had a circle that was close. We could have met in Brooklyn at some point on the East Coast, but we didn't. We met there at my Seder, and uh, uh, to me, it was love at first sight. So, so. Wow. I really enjoyed it. That was a really, um, it was a really fun Seder and just the way you ran it. It was so, with so much joy and connection with the people at the tables. It was just, it was, it was a full on, it was a, diff- a new experience for me for sure. Well, first and foremost, how you doing, man? How's your year been? It's been rough for all of us on some level. And, uh, I know even younger people who, who are somewhat thriving, it's all you know, with the background of the challenges that's been. So how's it been for you? Yeah. Um, how's it been for me? Great question. Um, you know, it's, I can't say it's been bad. Uh, it's definitely been, it's, it's been challenging because of all the changes. 
Um, mm. having, like, me and you are now together on Zoom. And in the past, we'd be, you know, kicking it in a in your place in Venice. So we'd be having the conversation in person. So like I miss the the human interaction instead of staring at a screen all day with all these like really rigid conversations, like scheduled conversations. Mm. There's much less flow, you know, like walking into a coffee shop and striking up a conversation that um, 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 I really miss the human connection. You know, really miss seeing my friends all the time, family all the time. Um, I resonate, man. You say it's been rigid and, and scheduled, but you put out a new podcast this year called Feeling Full with Mordecai Wiener. It's unbelievable. And your, and your conversations are anything but rigid. They are spiritual and flowing and not only easy to follow, but like addictively deep and resonating. So uh, maybe you found some secret spice you want to share with us of how you've handled this to make it such nice combos. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate that. You know, I was in San Diego um spending some time in the beginning of COVID when COVID happened and I um what I realized in a conversation um with my good buddy Mark that I really loved sharing ideas around um habits, behaviors around food, the things that I was figuring out during COVID like ways to, you know, create like you said, like create new ways of staying healthy. Um, while, you know, we were at the beginning of lockdown and you couldn't do much. Uh, and and, I, and, I, and um, I was tr- I've always been trying to find a way to communicate this. And I've been doing it through my email newsletter, my email, um, my, my weekly newsletter. But um, in a conversation with Mark, I was like, you know, I really want to start a podcast. He's like, all right, well, I'll just commit to it. And this was like, I want to say, Janet, February, March, April, probably May time, May, June. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I just, just said, you know, I'm in. And because and I figured that would be a great way to just have these kinds of conversations wow. um, and be able to um, um, do it in that way. And one thing led to another um, where, you know, that kind of gave me a lot of energy um, because now I started thinking about, okay, so what is a podcast going to be about? I know I want to talk about habits, food, weight loss, self-love, body image, all of the things that I've had to work through in my life and continue to work through, but it's really fun to share what I'm figuring out and what I'm learning and just have the conversations about that. I think what I'm working on, so many of us are working on and just making these conversations more readily available. It's super fun. Wow. So what I take away is that you're having way more intentional conversations and somehow the meaning has replaced the, instead of having to hope for chemistry and free flow, free flow it's, it's, had, it's had direct communication. By the way, not a terrible thing to do in general in life, but maybe that's, that's uh, the biggest silver lining here is that you know, you've created this uh, new voice for yourself um, because the, the fluidity of your podcast was like listening to somebody who's been there and done this before and was a professional. So you've unlocked something. And uh, so take me back. Like you, you, well, I didn't meet you at a stage that you were super heavyweight. When I met you, you were at a stage of like already been on a diet. You were already losing a lot of weight. And I only once I got to know you learned that actually this was a lifetime journey for you to uh, lose well over 100 pounds. And then the second and harder part of the journey, keeping it off and rebuilding your psyche, which is I'll just create the Pesach analogy right off the bat. There's leaving slavery, but then there's extracting the slave mentality from yourself. And that is such, a, such an important part of this holiday. We don't remember leaving Egypt every year. And by the way, it's in prayer every day. So it's part of a daily ritual for Jewish people to remember leaving Egypt. And it's not leaving the land of Egypt. It's leaving the constraints of slavery that you can become a slave to things without fully recognizing what you've given away. 
And it seemed that you resonated with that very much. And that's been the bigger part of your journey is how do you, it's not one thing, lose weight. The next thing is how do you extract that mentality from yourself? So take me back a little bit. Like what's this, what's, where did this journey really begin? When did you really realize that there was something that needed to switch? Yeah. You know, it's funny. And before we get into the backstory, um, I think it's interesting because I think this is something I'm actively still trying to figure out as well. Mm. You know, it's like the idea, the analogy of like leaving Egypt and, and, and then not being a slave even after you're free. You know, sometimes I still feel like a slave to food, even if it's even if it's just different food. Right. So I've I, I've I've shifted from, you know, craving and, and desiring, you know, chocolate and sugar to now craving tomatoes and blueberries. And it's just like it's a different. And so I can't say it's fully I don't want to feel like I've I don't want to say like I've fully figured this out because it's something that I think it's ongoing. And I'm, I'm still very much in the process. But um to, an, to answer your question, you know, I've been um, trying to lose weight. I think as early as I remember, I was on a diet, 10 years old, um, wow. you know, going to Weight Watcher meetings. And, um, you know, it was like, a, it was a family ordeal. We all dieted. We all ate well, you know, you know, completely, <laughs> completely all American processed food. Mostly, I would say vegetables was like the, 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 the uh, occasional thing that I would enjoy. And not because a lack of it, I just didn't want it. I mean, if you, you know, asked if I wanted a pepper or a piece of my mom's chocolate cake, I was going to pick her cake, you know, every time. Right. And, um, and, and food was, and, and food, you know, it's like, like, like anything else. And, you know, I'm sure you can relate, you, you develop a relationship with the food. It becomes consistent, it's reliable. And um, I started using food as a mean for um, reliable enjoyment, reliable pleasure. Um, from a very young age, and um, also didn't really recognize that, but wanted to lose weight. So I would go on these diets, trying to lose, you know, Weight Watchers 20, 30 pounds, maybe if I was lucky. And eventually, um, the cake would come back and I would enjoy it and the diet would be in the rear of your mirror. And then the idea of I'll start tomorrow came into play. So this one, the cycle went on of I'll start tomorrow and then finally getting on a diet and losing the weight and gaining it back was a cycle that happened for a good 15 years of my life. And then when I was about 25 years old, I realized something that I hadn't realized before, which was, you know, I, one, I realized that I was trying to lose, the reason I was trying to lose weight, I asked myself for the first time, I think when I was 25 or 26, I remember this, com this conversation, you know, those moments where you have like a really clear conversation in your mind. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself one morning when I was, you know, at my heaviest, 330 pounds, the heaviest I remember ever seeing on the scale <laughs> and um, looking in the mirror and, and saying to myself, like, why do you want to lose weight? And I had never asked myself that before. It was always, I just want to lose weight so I can buy normal size clothing so I can feel like a normal person. So I, you know, I thought I would have more friends. I would, thought I would have all the things I wanted. And in that moment, I realized that I've always been trying to lose weight my entire life for other people. It was so I can be accepted, so I can feel loved, so I can be, you know, fit. Wow. And in that moment, I realized I needed to make a shift. I'm like, I realized that if I didn't lose weight for me, it was never going to happen. Like it was, it, it, I couldn't continue living um, for other people. I realized, so, I connect that somehow to like, experience I was having with my business, you know, I was, you know, I, 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 at age 25, 26, over a hundred employees and feeling like the company and the team, everything was growing so fast, but also felt at the same time that my outside world did not match my inner universe at all. And it was that, that, that realization that if I figured out how to do 
um, uh, a business and create success there. There's no reason I couldn't figure out how to create the success with my, my body. And that like those two things came to realization at the same time. And the question, the next question I asked myself was like, all right, well, how did you do it with business? Right? How did you do it? You know, you figured this thing out. How did you do it? And what I realized was that for my business, I always looked for people who had been successful before me and learned from their um, achievements and their mistakes. But with my weight, I always just went on the next fad diet. I was like, oh, everyone's wow. on keto, go on keto. Everyone's on paleo, everyone's on Weight Watcher, South Beach, you name it. I was just going on a diet. Yeah, it's definitely um, revisiting all these moments and actually going back into the story is painful every time uh, <laughs> as, we're, as I'm recalling these moments to try to, to, to recollect. Uh, and, and what I'm realizing is that what I figured out was that I'm always trying these diets that were companies selling me an approach wasn't the same as somebody who went through it. That's the thing I realized. I realized that if I can find somebody else who actually lost weight, but not only lost weight, but also kept it off as opposed wow. to next fad diet. That's like, like in your business, finding somebody who's been successful in a certain area, learning those practices. Exactly. So I had that cross, you know, that, those, those parallel ideas. And I'm like, oh, hold on one second. How come I've never looked for a human who's actually lost weight and kept it off? How come I've mm. only listened? You know how you hear like, oh, everyone's, you know, spraying something in their mouth or everyone is like, you know, only eating meat or on the cabbage soup diet. How come those people were the things I was listening to, like the hot tip on the street, as opposed to like somebody who's actually done it? And that's when I met somebody and was introduced to somebody who lost weight. And that completely shifted everything for me because I'm like, oh, here's a guy who had lost 200 pounds, you know, successful Wall Street banker, John Gabriel, who wrote the Gabriel Method. And he is somebody who had been successful. And I was like, wow, if he can do it and he's shown that he's kept the weight off for 10 years, I'm like, this isn't a diet trying to sell me something. This is a guy who's done it, who's just sharing his experience. I'm like that. And that to me was like really powerful. Actually, I meant to ask you, I'm going to ask you now, you're mentioning a book and a person, you actually got to build relationships with a lot of these people who inspired you. Um, how were you able to do that? I'm always been interested, like, how did you create such a beautiful network of such strong, awesome minded people, and that you could have personal mentorships, and now you're giving it out to a wider range of people, and you've made yourself a mentor, but how did you initially get the confidence slash ability to make those relationships? Hi, um, great question. I feel like with John, I, I reached out to him oh, because I was doing a series of interviews of people who lost weight. And I, I, I just expressed to him how he changed my life and, and, and just share that with him in a very like just genuine, you know, genuine email. And that led us to that led me to interview him and share his story. And then he invited me to his, you know, he had a retreat at the Omega Institution where he um, where they have lots of different health and wellness types of retreats. And he invited me to come speak at his retreat. So I feel like just, you know, communicating um, how somebody impacted my life uh, and sharing with them and just reflecting that back to them and just creating value for other people has been like a really uh, great way to build relationships. So a lot of the people just it happens naturally because this is an area I'm extremely passionate about. So when I meet somebody or someone's like, oh, you too, you know, you need to meet this person. It's just a very natural, 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 um, natural flow of things. Yeah. I, I, uh, I can appreciate it very deeply. And uh, so you, you put out this podcast now, it's called Feeling Full, and it has both the physical idea of feeling full with what you're consuming. It has the spiritual concept of feeling full, uh, meaning in other words, feeling, feeling like gratitude with yourself. Um, I love the branding. I love the podcast. 
uh, one that stands out, a recent one, uh, you were talking uh, with this woman spiritually about like how she approaches food and it's telling, it's talking back to her, it's telling her things. And, and it, and it brought to mind of like, there is this deep Hasidic idea that if you take a moment and allow something to talk back to you, because everything is expressing something in this world, you'll learn about the bigger picture of what's happening in front of you. And uh, so I think like there's this interesting connection between, between spiritual cultures and food consumption. And it sort of comes together. And, uh, and, and I thought maybe, maybe like you, you've had this epiphany as somebody who grew up with a Chabad, which is a spiritual, mystical type of background, and now this world of health and wellness that you've entered. What type of things do you think have connected and resonated with you that maybe are like feeding you slash or, or maybe you have questions or whatever it is? What's coming to mind of like your background slash with what you're doing? Yeah, uh, another great question, Parrots. Uh, you know, I think um, Janine Roth is the woman I think you're referring to. Yes. Um, and she wrote a few books, uh, 10 books, actually. And her one of the books that really blew my mind is called Woman, Food, and God. Mm. Um, and it's just a brilliant, brilliant book um, for men as well. Um, if, so if you're a man struggling with your weight this is a, or food, this is a great, great book. Um, and with Janine, you know, with, in, our, in our conversation, something that I saw was like a lot of her ideas around intentionality, um, around our bodies, food, compulsions, uh, and feelings. Uh, actually, not so much the feelings part, but the food and compulsions and intentionality for sure are, are um, they're not new concepts to me. Let's put it that way. And I mean, definitely, because everything, you know, um, you know, growing up Orthodox and in Chabad, um, I'm very, my wires were ready, you know, ready for this kind of language. And like the things that she's saying may seem, I guess, woo woo to others. To me, it just seems like, oh, okay. So I'm, I'm actually quite used to this. So it sounds very familiar. Mm. Um, but the, the, one of the things that continues to impress upon me is the intentionality that people who've gone through this, like someone like Janine Roth, who's a, who's a thought leader um, and a teacher and an educator around food and emotional wellness is the idea of like, you know, she has this quote where she says, we're not addicted to food, we're addicted to numbing our emotions. Mm. And it's, if you think about it, it's not just with food, it's with, you know, you're, you're lying there in bed and you go for the phone or, you know, you need to distract yourself on a computer because you can't focus. It's not just food. For many of us, it is food because food is just an instant way to change the way you feel, right? You know, you eat something sweet. You're not thinking about your, you know, what you're struggling with at that moment and you're having immense pleasure. So I, I think the intentionality is really, is really something that um, definitely relates and, a way that I, I live my life. It just with, with food, when it comes to food, it just the intentionality around it seems like a natural, natural flow, natural, natural fit. I think the word intentionality here is really key. And uh, maybe all of life needs at some point a real, you know, interactive, intentional uh, connection. And, and it's not necessarily intuitive because it's like, I'll give you an example. It's really freaked me out yesterday. I have a baby. She's 11 months old. She's delicious. And she's sitting on my lap and she has a little bit of a stomach bug. So she's sort of like cuddling in and we're like hydrating her. And, and like my phone is on the, is on the side and I'm trying to peek at it, you know, while I'm holding her because she was snuggled in for 45 minutes. And so I like, I take the phone, she sort of grabs it and 11 months old and it switches, you know, when you switch it, it switches to the photo and she sees herself in it and she giggles. And she presses the photo button 
And I was like, hold on. She did not know that that was a mistake, right? And then a second later, she sort of touches it again. And I'm like, what's become intuitive is now these like tech artifacts that take our attention. And like, I know what she's going to struggle with when she's growing up. And that is how to be intuitive about her, her own existential self versus the external self. And it wasn't a watershed moment as much as it's like, we, we, no matter how much we're trying to, to curb our tech intake, and no matter how much we're trying to like be intentional about our life, it's coming at us way quicker, way faster. And, and, and not only that, way more intentional. There's like brilliant minds sitting in a room figuring out how to grab our attention. So our intuitive spiritual DNA that's embedded with us for generations has been, it's not as easy to mine and to come out. And so maybe this like idea of like extracting the slave mentality is the most important lifelong pursuit of any kind. It's such a trip that like what I'm watching with my own children, my own self and, and of all ages. And so I think at the center of that, I really do think at the center of that is food. And at the center of food is like how you consume your food, where you're sitting and eating and, and, and all the things you talk about on these podcasts are so much less about diets and so much more about where are you eating? What mindset do you have with your eating? Like, forget the food for a second. The whole environment around it is just as important. And to me, sometimes I think like you're describing Shabbat dinners, you know, like, like, like the world's cut out and uh, there's nothing around me. All there is is a table, whether it's with people or not, and there's the food I prepared and I'm going to be centered by it and I'm going to be intentional about it. And I think that that's, uh, you're more than onto something. I think it's, it's almost like you're merging um, as much spirituality as you could muster to the physical experience of consumption. And that I think is like a battleground for so much more than just obesity. It's a battleground for literally a functioning human being in, uh, in, in today's day and age. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Like the, the amount of information, just taking it back there for a second, the amount of information that's coming at us is just is is new um in the terms of the speed that it's accelerating at so it's incredible that your daughter is actually able to do that at 11 months it's because i mean it's a it's a, just beyond like under uh, our understanding because what is intuitive to her isn't necessarily going to be isn't necessarily intuitive to you know our generation um and and it's not only with technology right it's not only with technology with food see with technology it's easy to, to sit it's easy to see that hey hold on one second on social, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever platform, whatever social media platform we're on, you see like, how come I was searching for, you know, weights and now all of a sudden I'm seeing all these ads for weights. Right. How come Facebook always shows me so-and-so's photos? How come, how do they know that I like that person or how do they, and you start to realize it's so, it's so obvious to you that something's happening, right? It's very clear as day. When it comes to food, it's even more tricky. These companies that, you know, fast food companies, uh, food manufacturers are spending billions or hundreds of billions of dollars to manipulate not only adults with like, you know, hiding ingredients like, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll name, there's like 60 something names for sugar, right? So if you're trying to stay away from sugar, you don't even know it because it may not say sugar. It may, you know, and it may be natural sweeteners, but it's some sort of like, you know, liquid acid or something, you know, citric acid. Um, not liquid acid, <laughs> acid. <laughs> different. 
but um, citric acid that you think is not is, is okay, but you buy, you know, if you buy, um, you know, hummus at the store, at the grocery store, at Whole Foods, it has citric acid in it. So it has sugar in it. And you think you're buying something that's completely natural and you don't know. And most people don't know what citric acid really is, but really it's a preservative that actually, you know, processes in your body like sugar. But that's like, the, that's, the, that's the easiest example. Hummus with citric acid isn't a terrible thing, but the problem comes into play when you think you're buying healthy food and you're actually not because mm. the chocolate says organic or the, or the chips, you know, say, organic or made with you know organic corn and you're like oh wow organic corn that's healthy and so it's very confusing and we just learned these keywords of organic and natural we just learned these keywords to look for and it's already manipulated and you walk into the grocery store you see organic natural and you're like oh wow organic um organic carrot chips and then you know they're made with canola oil you know or they're fried in carrots fried in canola oil and you and canola oil is terrible for your your arteries and will you know do cause all types of harm, but most people don't know, which is the biggest problem. And there's so much money being spent on how to market foods to especially kids that it's, it's, they're being manipulated from a very young age where, you know, especially if they're around TVs watching commercials, they're, they're going to see um, commercials for, you know, cereal that looks so delicious, but it's got like 40 ingredients or 30 ingredients. And when they go to the store with you, they're, 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 they're trying to get your attention to buy that cereal because they saw it on TV and getting really smart, you know, donating different equipment to schools with their brand names on it. And like in the most conniving ways, getting, getting, you know, kids to not, um, to want, crave things before they even have an appetite or desire for that because our taste buds can constantly change. We can like different things. I never liked vegetables growing up. I mean, ask my parents, they couldn't, they couldn't pay me to eat a vegetable. Right. Now my taste buds, I, I really enjoy vegetables in the simple, cooked in the simplest forms. And it's not because um, I've done anything that is extreme. I've reconditioned my taste buds by cutting out all the fake sweeteners. So my natural um, um, craving t- towards sweet things is, is, is satiated by blueberries. And it sounds crazy to, mo- to a lot of people, but it's, I didn't do anything that was crazy. I just cut out some of the fake stuff, which is extremely hard to do because of how addictive it is. And, yeah. and just, I just want to say also with all the food stuff, you know, it's very easy to start blaming and shaming yourself for, you mm. know, if, for if you're struggling with sugar cravings or food cravings or weight or whatever it is. If someone's struggling, that's very easy to have shame or blame. But shame and blame are things that actually will prevent you from actually making any progress with your goal. So it's really important to not blame yourself and realize that it's you, one person, or a few people against companies with the smartest, most brilliant people. Right. You know, putting humans in MRI machines to see where their brains start to get activated by certain ingredients to really figure this stuff out on such an insane level that you you are not a fair match. So to blame yourself is 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 like the is 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 the first thing to let go of, like to let go of the shame, of the blame, of the guilt, and realize that it's hard out there. It's hard out there. Just like the technology thing is hard out there. Food is very complicated and it's hard and it's not something. Yeah, you're getting into the idea that you got to take back your own self-image. You gotta you gotta take control of like the way you see yourself. Um, I was reading this past week in the Torah. It talked about Moses. Um, making the the tablets, a second tablets. Long story short, it makes a second one. But the word used for making it is the same word in the Ten Commandments that says, do not worship a graven image. So it's like, wait a second, you're saying here, Moses, make an image, make something graven. And then over there, it says, don't. How are you supposed to know the difference? Like, to me, it resonates with, you want healthy food, uh, and then your healthy food turns out not to be healthy. What's the difference? 
And the, and the mystics explain it very simply. Each word is the same, but there's a, a, a little distinct message. When it says, don't take a graven image, it says, don't take for yourself a graven image. And when it says to Moses, make, make this graven, quote, image, it says, it says, make a graven image for yourself. The difference is subtle. The difference is, to Moses, he's saying, create an ideal of what you want to be, then go and get it. And the other one is saying, uh, this, decide what graven image you want to be instead of yourself and go be that. In other words, your, your whole shift is, instead of trying to be something you aren't, I want to be thin over there. I want to look like that. I want to fit in over there. Uh, and, and so therefore you'll go make mistakes like quick diets that don't relate to you, food that doesn't speak to you because you need to be that other person over there. Instead, it's like, no, decide who you are. I am a person who wants to be healthy. I'm a person who wants to think clearly. And I want, and then you'll go out there and figure out which diets, which foods, what resonates, et cetera. And that's, I think the difference of, uh, uh, that you're really bringing out very well and you bring it out in many different ways because there's not enough ways to really learn to reanalyze how you are at the center here. And when you're at the center, there's no graven image because what, is the cent- what does it mean you're at the center? It means you've learned to see yourself in a way that the world's not telling you how to see yourself anymore. These companies aren't getting to choose how you feel about your own self any longer. And, uh, and that's this shift that's happening uh, um, all over the world. I think if there was an enlightenment age for our, for our future, I don't think it's so much intellectual in the same way as it is emotional because emotional is the way we see ourselves and as it relates to things outside of us. And that's the big change happening over here. So uh, I'm super pumped uh, to, to, to continue listening. But I think what you're getting at is the idea of somebody, if, if we want something that's outside of ourselves, it's very, um, the, the challenge is to actually get to a place where we, you know, where we are in acceptance of where we're at. Because when you're in acceptance with where you're at, you don't necessarily feel the same urge to make um, um, concessions that aren't healthy, right? So you don't need to go on an extreme diet if you can accept where you're at today with the mindset of, I just want to get a little bit better, right? It's a very healthy mindset to be okay with where you're at and and to want to get better. First, like I need to get away from myself so much because being with me and being like me is just too difficult. Mm. I think that subtle shift in energy is really just acceptance, true, true acceptance of where you're at right now and um, giving yourself permission to be okay with that. I, I, any any uh, type of advice to help somebody get started on that journey uh, of any type of health ailment? Because I think it's that psychological beginning. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I think the first first thing anybody can do um, is to really just ask yourself why, why, why it's even important to you, right? The first, the first thing I, 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 you know, and I think the reason why asking yourself why it's important, because it's like, you want to, if you're going to build a house, you want to build a strong framework, right? You wouldn't, if you started building a house, you wouldn't just start laying the bricks. You would probably create a foundation, right? And make sure that the beams go really deep into the ground to support mm-hmm. structure. So you want to build a structure. If you just say, you know, I'm going to eat healthier or I'm going to start tomorrow, that may not give you the results you want because you're really going into the what. But if you go into the why first and just take us peel it back a bit and ask yourself, why do you want this? Because what you're embarking on is actually not the norm. It's actually the norm is to struggle. The norm is to be distracted by your phone, right? Like you were the example before. The, uh, the, the norm is, is, is to actually 
eat these foods because this is what's being marketed in mass in, in our society as, an, right. as the norm. So what you're wanting is not the norm. I think it's important just to recognize that, that it's not normal. It's almost more normal to struggle today with food addiction or food cravings or body weight or anything in that category than it is to not just because of our food supply and how active we are as a society, right? So just by understanding that what you're embarking on is actually different and it's gonna take a little bit of work. So asking yourself, why do you want it? And really getting really clear on that why. And the way to do that is, you know, so I say parts, why do you wanna be healthy? What's the reason you wanna be healthy? What is the reason, what would you say? Um, straight off the bat right now would be to have way more consistent energy. Perfect. Not, not be on a pendulum of like needing food for energy all the time. Great. So why do you want more consistent energy? Why is that important to you? Um, because I accept uh, that I have children who need my attention, world who needs my attention. Uh, I want to have a good marriage, a good life, all that stuff. And then I also want to have, when I have the small moments for myself, I still want to have energy for my own learning and growth. Like I, I can't, if I'm relying on outside food, I, I end up not having the energy for all the things all the time that I need to. Okay, and, and uh, do you mind going a little? Do you mind if we? I I I can use the session. Go for it. <laughs> okay. So um so and, and why is it important for you to have time to learn and to do the things that you want to do that you're really passionate about in the world? I I don't feel like um I'll I'll have enough time to accomplish everything, but if every day I have enough energy to do as much as I can do in my day. I, I know like over time, I'm going to start reaching levels that, that, that I can only aspire to. And like, I have all these dreams that like the world sometimes tells me to stop having them. And then, and then because of my lack of energy, I'm like, maybe I have to taper it down, taper it down. But when I have a lot of energy, I stop thinking about my, my goals as much. I start thinking about, wow, I had another great day and another great day. And I was, had time for my kids, time for my community, time for myself, uh, you know, um, and I go to sleep and I still have energy to, to, to have some close time with my wife and, and talk and connect. And, and like, I, I feel like I couldn't live without, without that level. And when I'm doing well um, um, with the energy, I, I'm doing well everywhere else, I think. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> you're, right, right, you're on the right track. And I would like to go just a drop deeper. So why is it important for you to fulfill on your dreams? It's funny. You're, you're saying these things. I want to let you continue because it's actually been a very tough year to keep. I had like years of, of very strong incremental growth. And then this year, I feel like I lost touch. And, and I think you're getting at like, maybe your my dreams were so, so central to my ability to keep my health. And this year, my dreams have sort of had to be reanalyzed because I haven't been able to do as much. This is how we started our conversation. It's changed the nature of it. And now it's changed again, my nature of food consumption. And I'm trying to find the grip again uh, uh, um, right now, day to day. And, uh, and, and I want my energy back up and I want, so that's, what's coming to mind with these questions is like, I want my energy back up. I want, I want my dreams again. I want it all. And I feel like somehow food is at the center of that. Yeah. Yeah. So we can, I, I would, I would love to go a drop deeper here with you. So, I mean, I'm, 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 I mean, just on that point, I mean, I remember when I was in Venice, you were, you know, working out at the beach, just doing all the things, you know, with our friend Jordan and just really, you know, you're, you're, you're on your game for a long time. Yeah. And the pandemic has thrown just about everybody off. Like there's not, I don't think anybody, even myself included. So it's like, we're all, we're all trying to refigure this thing out. So it's really great that you're, you're, you're here. We're doing it together. So, so, so the, so the thing I would say to you is right now, it feels we're at a place of, it's important for you to have a healthy body so you can live your fullest purpose on the planet. And you're not even sure what that is yet, but you want to position yourself to whatever that is that you're ready 
you're ready for whatever comes to you. Is that it? Would you say that's accurate or am I missing something? Yes, that's very accurate. So, I mean, I feel like that's a really, I mean, we can go, I'm not sure if we, can we go deeper. Let's think for a second. We, let's try. Let's try. Let's see, let's see, let's see what we got to do. So why is it important for you to fulfill on your purpose that you're here? Well, I, I, I firmly trust that my existence isn't random. And I say trust meaning like, as in, I feel there's meaning in and intentionality in both what I'm doing, but also it's that way because I'm created this way to this, to this circumstance, to this generation, to this time. And it is meaning within everything that drives not only like what I do as a rabbi, but it drives like how people can get out of difficult circumstances or also go beyond just like everything's good and, uh, and that's enough. Today with technology and today with these, these companies coming at us, et cetera, we need to be much stronger human beings. And maybe in the past, if the rabbi was out of shape, they could say, okay, you know, he's out of shape because he's a rabbi. He's busy all day. He has a bunch of kids. He has a big community. It makes sense. He doesn't have time. But today there's, I, I, I'm not so sure that's acceptable anymore because I can't say that like, I'm not in this world, but I can help you in your world at the same time, you know? And, and that's where I think it's really coming together. I really believe they're tied. Like the healthier I can be and the more I can do, I think creates, you know, more um, uh, the foundation, it creates more foundation for, for what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish. My wife and I as a couple and, and as a rabbi in Revitson and, and what we're trying to appreciate. So I definitely resonate with your foundation, um, you know, principle. Yeah, I, I think so many things you said, I, I wanted to, I want to touch on, but I, I'm going to touch on one or two. And I think the first thing is like, that's one of the things I really respect about you, um, is that the level of the level of excellence that you hold yourself to. It's like you have so much going on, a community, a family, a wife, all these, you know, kids. It just, there's so many moving parts in your life that, and on top of that, you still want to hold, you want, you still want to be in great shape so you can position yourself to reach your highest potential, highest purpose in the world. I think that's just, um, it's, it's inspiring. Um, so that's Thank you. one thing I, I wanted to throw out there. And uh, on top of that, you have a really strong why, like your why is deeply rooted in, 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 in everything that you teach. And um, I think that is a, I mean, what do you think that's a strong motivator? Can that be a strong motivator to like, have you thought about this in that way before is the question I guess I want to ask. I, I think about it a lot, actually. And on last year, I did a, a Passover Seder explanation podcast on just the Seder plate. And one of the six major emotions that it teaches us in mysticism is the emotion of foundation. And you're like, wait, how is foundation an emotion? Well, it's obviously more subtle than love or, or fear or, you know, um, um, but it is a foundational. What does it mean foundation at this point? It means how, what things are connecting. What are things, what are, what are, what is supporting your love? What is supporting? So when you say go deeper, it automatically triggers this emotion of yesod. Like what is actually the foundation holding me up? Um, and, and what is beneath the surface that is really holding me up? And, and I think you said it very nicely over there. The, the emotion holding me up is that it needs, it's it, it, all of my teachings and, and wisdom and it's, it's actually all interconnected to a wholesome life. It's not one area. I always believe that like people leave their religion in the houses of worship and the houses of worship are the least important part of Judaism. The most important part is you and your home <laughs> and, and your spouse and your relationships and your, 
And like, trust me, you make the list, synagogue ain't reaching top five, okay? And I'll sometimes even have days where I'm not sure it's top 10. It's because there's there's a much deeper thing. And if I'm going to preach that, it's like, that's going to be foundation called Yesod. And on the Seder plate, the foundation is represented by maror and 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 uh, bitter herbs and uh, and lettuce that we're supposed to use in something called the Hillel sandwich. And it's a foundation. It's like, Bitter herbs alone that we do earlier in the Seder is just bitter, but bitter herbs that you do in a sandwich, it's like, well, what do you mean? It brings out the flavor. It's it bursts of a burst of hot, you know, jalapeno peppers in California. You know what I mean? It just opens up your flavor palette. Your sowed is not seen until everything else is seen more beautifully. In other words, at the center of equilibrium that I'm looking for is that everything else seems beautiful. And when you have a very foundational approach and a healthy approach to like everything can be balanced. And, 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 and for me, it's, I do hold myself to high standard. And sometimes I have to also lean into acceptance that I can't always be what I want it to be, but that's maybe for a separate conversation, but definitely in this conversation, it's, it, 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 it deeply resonates this idea that we're getting to this concept of Yisod, this concept of having a foundation. I always felt that if there was an emotion, I could, I could really aspire to be, it would be Yisod because it's both I know that I'm standing on firm ground and people could lean on me and I won't crack under pressure. And so, so it's, it very, very much. And, and no matter how much I get there, there's more foundational work in California. We call it seismic upgrades is the foundational work, you know, because there's earthquakes, you know, the earth tremors every 26 seconds. Oh, I did not know that it pulsates every 26 seconds. They still don't know why every article says they don't know why, but 26 is the number of God's name of infinity. So who knows <laughs> trip there. But the point is it, the world is tremoring all the time and everything is shifting all the time. And yet here we are as a foundational Jewish people that we could bring light wisdom and to ourselves, to the world around us by being us. And unless I can do that and show that it's possible, how can I expect anybody else that I'm visiting in Venice and in San Francisco and all over the world to feel the same way about it? Yeah, and I, I think that's that's so cool. And now I'm forget I'm forgetting who's interviewing who here. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, brother. I, I I appreciate the 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 you know it's really about conversation and being able to bring out deeper things, and and uh, and that's really what it's about. I I, I can learn so much from you um, because. And, and, from, and from really the people in my community, because I think they are after deeper things. It's, it's kind of what inspires me by, I call it no baggage Judaism, by people who are like, they start exploring and they realize like they can't really abandon their background as much as they have to learn how to integrate it with what they're learning and what they're going through. And, uh, and this next generation has an opportunity for no baggage Ju- Judaism. of There's like actually taking in the deepest parts of it and like seeing how it comes out of them and what brings to them for, for people to be tefillin or Shabbos candles or hopefully Shabbat dinners and like every Friday night at Thanksgiving dinner with your friends and family, like mind-blowing things that can change our, our, our attitudes to ourselves and to the world around us. And that's, and it begins with Pesach. It really does. Pesach is the time of year. And I think it's a good time of year also for people on diets because it's spring, better weather, it's fresher, and you could be lighter on your feet. I think this is such a timely conversation. Yeah, and yeah, and um, you know, Pesach is an idea of asking questions, right? 
Yes. All built around the idea of asking questions and, you know, you know, asking what yourself, why, you know, maybe not one of the four questions, but definitely it can be uh, an added, an added dessert, um, a dessert question. You know, it's um, one of the things that um, we once did um, at my parents' house around the Seder is like, ask, um, ask each other, like, what's your personal Egypt that you're trying to um, leave? And beautiful. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it was beautiful. It, came, it, it created a great conversation. And, you know, one of the things that I think would be a nice addition to that would be like, why do you want to leave it? Like, why is it important to you? That's, uh, I, I think that's a great way to end off over here is like, as long and, and that's what's really come out of this conversation for us is like, if, if you can get to that question and really ask that question, beautiful things will emerge. And that also ties neatly to like this year, if we can like have some moments with ourselves and ask that question deeply have this leaving Egypt question for ourselves, like why do we need to leave and what, what we're going to get out of it, I think that we'll build much stronger foundations for what comes next and what comes at us next. So um, that's, that's absolutely stunning. Mordechai, thank you for being on. Um, it's an honor to have you here. I can't wait to share along with the podcast your links and, your, and, uh, and the connection of how people can find you and feelingfull.com, I believe, right? And, uh, and, uh, so, uh, I look forward to, for people to check out what you have going on and uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm in the small hotel, the 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 hotel,